With another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode four twenty three, aka Year Eight, Week Fifty One, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mister Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And by the way, what great introductory music you have! Yeah, what a fanfare! Where'd that come from? Well, you're just bragging because you suggested it a <laughs> long time ago, and we we finally have intro music. And then when I suggested that, hey, why don't we try this AI thing and see if AI can produce this, some, you know, non-copyrighted intro music? Like, nope, keep it with the Russian stuff. I'm like, all right. <laughs> uh, this is your uh, weekly Saturday broadcast, regular time on the old clubhouse. Uh, you can find us there. The club is the Anarchist Experience, or you can at me at Riches for Rich, R I C H E S, the number four R I C H. And then when we start the live broadcast, I will click the little button to invite you to participate should you desire to do so. Uh, we do that around 3 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday afternoons. So if you're hanging around around then, that's when you can look for it. Uh, that being said, what is going on with you guys this week? Um, well, the funniest thing I saw this week was the Trump town hall, or at least the highlights of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. I don't get time for that. Yeah, yeah. No, the highlights are where it's at. Easy. So what 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 stood out to you on the town? First of all, before what stood out, like why would why would CNN of all news organizations platform the town hall? Like that alone seemed like a mistake to begin with. Well, it was an obvious trap, but just like Guardians of the Galaxy three uh, makes clear that if it's if you know it's a trap. Then it's it's not a trap. It's a face off. Okay. Well, no, no spoilers then, because I have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy three yet. No, you got him. He, he says that earlier in the movie. Okay. So yeah, that's that's you know. I am struggling to find time to watch all of Avatar. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I watched uh, all that too. Yeah, it's doing wow, episodes. It's, yeah, it's, it's worth yeah. it. I you know I enjoyed the special effects and they even call out in the movie that they realize how long it is. <laughs> interesting my my life my life is going to get a lot more complicated in a few days uh, because as a gamer um, I am excited for the new Legend of Zelda game that just came uh-huh. out yesterday on the Switch yes on the Switch and unfortunately I had to pay quote unquote market price for it um because I missed the pre-order window for the collector's edition. Mm. And I had a migraine Thursday night. So my plan was like, come home from work on Thursday, eat some dinner, you know, try to stay up for, you know, the, you know when the, the retailers open up at midnight and see if I can sneak in and get one of the collector's editions online and pick it up in the store. Uh, well, the migraine put me out and I fell asleep way too early and woke up, you know, at my normal time. And by that time, it was, you know, wh- whatever wasn't pre-ordered uh, was sold out by the time I woke up at like 6.30 in the morning. 
Eastern time. Mm. And so I was like, well, son of a bitch, what do I do? And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, scalper, 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 scalpers. Uh, so I jumped on eBay. I bought a copy. I bought the controller. And then I went, you know what? If I remember correctly from the Master's Edition from the first Legend of Zelda, like I didn't buy that from the scalpers initially. Like, you know, it, it launched, the, the, the retail price it launched was like 129 and then, you know, scalper days, it was, you know, 200, 250 or so. And then it went up to like 300. And I was like, oh, man, I, you know, I still don't, I don't want to pay that much for it. I want to pay <laughs> fucking retail. Mm. Um, and then a few months later it was 500 and a few months later it was 800. And then it went over a thousand and I still don't have a copy of this thing. And so I double checked online um, Friday, yeah, yesterday, as I was doing this, all this other shopping. And it's now like 1800 bucks. You know, for this wow. master's edition <laughs> of the original Legend of Zelda that came out when the Switch launched, right? Mm-hmm. So then I went, fuck it, and I bought two copies of the collector's edition, mm-hmm. thinking that at some point, you know, as the price skyrockets, as, you know, people, as collectors get theirs and demand kind of diminishes or supply diminishes, um, the people left holding the bag like me for the master's edition will end up forking off a lot more. Um, so I'm going to hang on to one and then sell one in a few years, and that's my strategy to make my money back. That's a that. good strategy. It could be a good strategy. I mean, it's a risk, right? Like, I don't know what's sure. going to happen. Uh, you don't know how many are out there. <laughs> I, I don't know how many are out there, but I do know one thing. Fucking Nintendo doesn't resupply the good stuff. So, the yeah. like, you and, know, like Nintendo prices all, don't go down. You're already buying it at a limited quantity. I mean, the, the quantity, the retail quantity is already gone, right? Right. Yeah, you can't find it. It's done. Like, yeah, you know, so you're already, you're already ahead. So that's good. Well, I'm, but I'm not ahead. Either. I'm behind. Well, right. Cause I have yeah. one for me that I paid a hundred bucks extra for. And then I you have this probably, other one. You could probably sell it for the same price you, you bought it for though. Well, yeah, but that's, or that's close. silly. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to have one for myself and then mm-hmm. use the second one to offset that cost. Yeah. Right. So I have not to, too, not, not too much risk though. I mean, like, because the supply is already exhausted. Right. In the retail market. Then, yeah. Understood. But it's still, I'm not saying there, it's not, I'm not saying it's a huge risk, right? If it was a huge risk, I probably wouldn't have, but I went, you know, I'm just going to get it early. You know, when I, when I originally bought the switch, I did the same thing, right? I bought like two switches during launch and I immediately put one up for sale on Craigslist for like a hundred bucks more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I paid Hawaii tax at the time. So I made like 80 bucks. So my initial Mm -hmm. switch, right, which is 300 at retail, my net cost was like 220 and that made me feel good. Right. So I'm, I'm hope, but the longer I hold off on this thing, right, the, the higher the price of skyrocket. So I do like, do I just get my money back? Do I wait like two years? Do I wait five years? You know, what do I do? And we'll, you know, we'll see how lazy I get. But yeah, so I'm not going to have much time for movie watch, movie watching much of anything uh, once those things get delivered um, early next week. So I miss, I'm missing out on the first weekend, which means while I'm on social media, I'm also like scrolling past everything that's, you know, Zelda related because I don't want to be spoiled until I get a chance to play. You know, but we'll see. Is this a physical box that there's a limited number on or? Um, it's not numbered, but yes, it is a, is it a, is it a, is, is it is a physical collector's edition of the game. Now, collector's edition, does that mean that they've got other non-collector's editions that are, that yes. do the same thing? No, uh, well, not do the same unlimited thing. Limited number. Oh, so you can get just the game, 
you know, I can go to Walmart or Best Buy or, you know, Target or GameStop and get just the game for 70 bucks. And they have printed that in abundance, right? Oh, okay. And I don't know how much of the collector's edition they print, but the, the, it, it goes like this, right? They announce it. The retailers put it up for pre-sale. The scalpers buy up everything using bots and whatever have you to get it, right? And then it's gone, right? Then the, the, you know, the, the only way to get it then is to hopefully um, find a local retailer that has a couple in stock, Right, which was partly my goal, and I know some GameStops did like a midnight release, um, so you could go stand out in line in front of GameStop and hope they have one, you know, and and do that sort of thing. I wasn't planning to do that, um, but I was planning on, you know, like when they sit when when it shows up as available to purchase on the website, right? I want to be there to fucking click the button, um, and I went through this initially with you know with the original, well, not the original, but the. Uh, the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, right? Because that launched in limited quantities and it took them two years, you know, because it came out around the pandemic, right? So it took them two years to restock and get a, get uh, stock up to standards where you could find it on the store shelves. And in the interim, it was just, you know, if you want it, you pay the scalper price, right? So... I got lucky with my Xbox and my PlayStation five was gifted to me by my mom um, because she had to one up my sister. <laughs> like my sister was buying it for somebody and found a good deal like on, on Craigslist. And so my mom mm. went and had to find a better deal on Craigslist just to show <laughs> up my sister. And <laughs> so then they had an extra one. And I was like, well, I don't, I will get it eventually. Ma. you don't, you know, you don't have to. And now I have to bring home an extra set of luggage to carry it back you know, to, 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 to New Hampshire with me. Um, what do these special d- editions do that the one, the normal ones don't do? Uh, it doesn't, what well, doesn't do anything, but it comes with more stuff like the art book and, you know, figurines and all that stuff. Oh, oh so it's, it's physical collectibles along oh, with see. the game. I see. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, the original one, the master's edition of the first one that launched had a really nice collectible sword, had a, carrying case for the switch itself you know it had a a scroll of some guy forget what i forget everything that was in it but it had a lot of stuff right and i had the chance you know i didn't i missed the opportunity to buy it at 130 because i didn't get into the pre-orders and when i went down to best buy they were like "Eh, now we didn't have any to give out i'm like oh son of a bitch right and then i didn't buy it on ebay and then the price is outrageous now but it's still on my wish like it's still on my wish list right like it's at some point right when Bitcoin actually moons, right? I'll be like, oh yeah, 1500 bucks, no big deal. I'll finally get one. <laughs> but until then, it just sits there. It sits there glaring at me going like, you fucked up because you should have known better based on Nintendo's history. And so this time I sucked it up and ate the cost of two in order to subsidize one in the future. Right on. Um, do you often have uh, migraines? Um, not often. So this, I don't know what caused, I, you know, I think this one was partially stress-related and too much screen time at work. Uh. Like I, I, used to get, I used to get bad migraines in college, and then they went away for a long time, um, and then I, I got them again a few years ago, like during the breakup, uh, mm. but I don't think I've had a bad one since then. 
but I was um, at you know I was at work on Thursday, and it was a I don't want to say a stressful day, but we were busy, right? And I was like fucking doing reports and crunching numbers, so I was staring at Excel spreadsheets and trying to like calculate shit for much of my shift. And I just think being that close to the screen and trying to you know the brain power. Yeah. To do all yeah. that just could, started could definitely headache. be re- related um dr berg says it's related to your gallbladder but i don't know how true that is <laughs> okay well that would be a dietary thing and i don't think my you know so so people he suggests people supplement with uh bile salts and that, okay that uh, re- replenishes the stuff in the gallbladder he says that if the gallbladder gets uh some you know if it gets depleted if it's working too hard uh that uh, it, there's a nerve that's connected to your brain and, and that will uh, trigger migraines. So okay. Some, some, some people are, you know, d- taking the wrong course of action, but it's not, it sounds like your, yours was pro- probably more related to like eye strain. <laughs> you know? That's what, and, and, you know, and well, here, and the other thing is when I do get migraines, I am very sensitive. So the, the best thing for me when I get a migraine is like a dark, quiet room. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and because sounds bother me, light bothers me. You know, I made it home and then I just kind of passed out, ate dinner and then passed out again. Uh, but I did, like, I was feeling nauseated in the office. So a couple times, you know, during, towards the end of my shift, um, I just stepped outside to get fresh air. And that subsided, you know, the nausea. And then I was, you know, fine after sleeping it off for a day. Still a little... Now that I'm moving my head around, still a little uh, tense in the neck and like you know the base of the skull region, but I'm otherwise good to go. Right on. But I think it, I th- I'm pretty sure that one was just you know mild stress and eye strain from you know staring at a monitor for way too long and not taking the appropriate breaks. Well, then I feel bad by asking you this, but do we have headlines? Oh, we do. Were we done with the truck? Okay. Thing? That was. <laughs> I, we I don't know. The, do you watch the video so Ken could comment on it? And do, do you want to comment on the Trump uh, stuff that you saw? I derailed or? it, but I mean, we can always sucker back to it if there was more. Whatever you choose, I'm. I'm. Well, you watched. Cool. You watched a clip of it. Was there anything that stood out to you or struck a nerve? Well, or? the thing that troubled me the most was that. Um, you know they they gave this this uh, program to to Trump, and you know if they if they were doing it for you know for exposure to ideas, then they should have made it a debate among all the Republican candidates. There have been others who who are uh, you know in the race or likely candidates. Uh, Rand, Rand Paul is in the in the race. Uh, he has to go all around the country raising money, but CNN just hands it over to. Uh, a platform uh, to Trump and DeSantis would, of course, love to have been on the stage too. Um, uh, I, I think this is a, a real bizarre thing uh, that CNN just hands this multi-million-dollar uh, platform to to Trump and his audience. You know, it was uh, it, yeah. it sounded to me like the audience was very very. Uh, sympathetic to to Trump in this. Well, and if, if I, I was there, I would, been, I would have been clapping along too for for a lot of it. But yeah, you're right. It shouldn't just be him. And it was. It's really weird that they even did it. So so some people yeah. suspect that they the only reason they did it 
is to get ratings because their their ratings are in the dump, and so they they're like, well, if we bring him back, we can make money at least, even though you know, everybody will hate us. <laughs> so and that was the, the the reason that they said was um, that that gave Trump so much exposure the first time he went ran in twenty sixteen was that they gave him so much free exposure just because he's so you know. Um, fascinating and entertaining and so then they recently have said oh well we don't want to do that so we're not going to feature him at all and uh, they, I guess the media realizes of course how much they well right yeah they, they yeah. So, so, they, so that's the thing and uh, well as a as a libertarian I'm bothered that they do this for Trump and they don't do this for other parties at all or other candidates, even among the Republican Party. So Trump has already made claims that he was going to skip all the debates, right? Like he he has no desire to be I th- I in think the, the Democrats. Debate. I think the Democrats said they're not even going to try to host one for well, for Biden. Like okay, he, so he's 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 out because the, the, the Biden admin said he's out. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm talking about like the primaries. Like Trump, yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Well, but Trump wouldn't debate Biden in the primary. No, but I'm I'm saying from from the left, they're saying that they're they're not even going to have Biden debate anybody. They're not going to let him. Okay, right. But the Republicans still have to figure out who they're going to put forth to challenge Biden. Right. And sure. As Ken mentioned, there's Rand Paul, maybe. Uh, yeah. So Trump Trump doesn't have to if he doesn't want to, and that's Understood. that's fine. Right. And so so if the Republicans have debates without trump then maybe nobody will watch it because everybody just wants to watch trump well and that's part of it so chaos suggested that you know other other candidates be invited onto the program well trump wouldn't have it right Mm -hmm. then it would just be the other candidates and they wouldn't get the media attention that you get from having donald trump on Mm -hmm. (laughs) well it reminds me of it reminds me of a time many years ago uh i ran as a libertarian uh and um League of Women Voters wanted to hold a debate. One candidate said they could he he could appear on, on every day except for one, and the Republican candidate said that she could appear on no date at all except that one date. Of course, they were <laughs> both angling not to have a debate. And I'm sitting there saying, League of Women Voters, if you want to hold a debate, hold a debate and uh, put chairs out for the people who show up. But don't let them decide that you're not going to have a debate because yeah. they threaten not to show up. They should, the CNN should have done the same thing with the, um, you know, this kind of forum and not just make it a, a Trump show, but have it, a, if they're really, if they say the reason is to, to give the, uh, the alternate point of view a um, um, exposure, we'll give the, all the alternate point of view, not just the one that's the most sensational. Well, it, yeah. I mean, if you're going based on just the action, not, not the outcome of it. The, the action was a hit, a hit job on, on Trump on live TV. It was supposed um, to be. That's supposed to be. <laughs> How in the world did they think that this lady was going to be able to get away with that? Because she thought she had all the facts, which she doesn't. Well, <laughs> she had no clue. <laughs> she has most of the facts, and he just, you know, she, he just talked over her and said, you know, well, so, She's like, Some I've of got the facts. the facts right here. And he goes, those aren't the facts. And the audience cheers. And she's, what do you do? Well, some of them aren't, aren't the facts. I think Trump probably had more accurate facts. Okay. Uh, 
and she had the leftist talking points. And so the reason why she only knows the leftist talking points is because she's in that bubble and that's all she's supposed to know. And so when he, w- he would explain to her something that was, you know, factually true, uh, she, she, she doesn't have the capability of being like, Oh, okay. I stand corrected. I, you know, I understand now, whatever. She doesn't have that. She, all she could do is change the subject or, or just disagree. In in a, a forum like that, to an audience like that, the facts don't really matter. It's, well, it's and that's you, why Trump survives all this. Yeah, I mean, I remember one time I was debating a, uh, uh, I guess the uh, Communist Party head or something here in the state and uh, on radio, and I made reference to the millions of people that were killed under communist regimes in the Soviet Union and in China and. And so on, and and she just denied it. Well, that's not true. We're, you know, that's just made up by the you know. So, when you're talking to an audience that's kind of fresh and and uh, um, uneducated or just a broad general audience, that's all that matters on a on a forum like this. You can say anything, and you know, or you can even say facts in such a way to to twist it to your direction. Like for example, uh, Carter and and Ford were both talking about unemployment rates. Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter said, "Don't vote for him." While well, he's been in office, the unemployment the unemployment rate is higher than ever before. And Ford said, "Vote for me." During my time in office, more people have been employed than ever before. Well, they were both right, but talking about a different aspect of the employment data. I mean, so you can give data that. Even if it's correct, but it doesn't even have to be correct because most of the audience doesn't know to correct what's being said anyway for this sort of stuff. It's so um, malleable by interpretation, too. Right, and so so this bit of advice for libertarians goes back to, like, the uh, Hask days when we were meeting up in local bars in Hawaii, right? I said it's folly if you're trying to persuade people to the message of liberty right it's it's foolish to appeal to logic and reason because they don't care yeah right i said you got to do what the other people are doing and make it an emotional appeal and the rebuttal was you know well then they'll just sway back the other way right at some point you'll lose them i and i'm and my point was who cares right You, you need you need them to be on your side emotionally long enough to win office, right, if that's your goal, right, long enough to win office, and then you can, if you're the political type, then you can affect policy change once you're in, right, and then through the policy change, demonstrate to them, right, why the libertarian ideals of freedom and liberty and free markets work better, and then maybe that will bring them around to the logical side of things, and if it doesn't, Right. Well, at least you had that brief period of time where you were able to make some sort of change. Right. But, you know, there's 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 people in the libertarian movement. Right. They go like, well, no, because that's, you know, disingenuous and unethical. And I go, well, that's the whole fucking premise of politics. Right. If, if you're if you're not going to play the game the way it was meant to be played. Right. Then why? Bo- why bother? Just abandon that aspect of it. And go do the other things, right? Don't waste energy on the political side. I don't waste energy on the political side. I have a fundamental understanding of how it works, 
right? And not for moral or ethical reasons necessarily, just more of a time waste for me. I have no desire to get into it. But if I were, right. right, there's a there's a winning strategy and libertarians won't use it. That's right. I think you are best pursuing whatever strategy appeals most to you and satisfying. I suppose, in a way, though, you know, we're, we're pursuing what we enjoy, but may not be the most effective. And I, frankly, I don't think the world's coming to an end. So I think it's not doesn't it's not critical that we, uh, uh, you know, um, persuade the masses now yet in this instant. You know, in the long run, the long run is is probably the game that we're all playing and we're doing it sort of what in, what we enjoy. I'm going to break this show. Right. You're, you're doing a show that that uh, you enjoy. I remember uh, Harry Brown said in his book, um, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World, um, don't get into politics. In fact, a, f- a friend raised that at uh, this uh, conference that he was at, and he said, now, you said not to get into politics, but you're, you're a presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. He says, yeah, but the second part of that sentence was, don't get into politics unless you're having fun. And if you're having fun, then do it. You know, <laughs> And, and that, that's a good thing. You, know, you, you do what... Uh, is enjoyable to you. And I think that a lot of these battles on the political arena just, well, they wouldn't be fun to me. But they are fun to some people who just thrive okay. on that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah I don't it's, know. It's, defi- it's definitely fun for Trump. I don't, I don't <laughs> see a lot of happy libertarians at the libertarian conventions. They, they well, usually look pretty miserable about you know, Robert's well, Rules of Order and parliamentary politics. People don't always take Harry Brown's advice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and again, like I'm not poo-pooing that aspect of it, right? All I'm saying is if you're going to choose to go that route, right, why would, why, would, why would you go down that route with a losing strategy from the onset, right? That's, that's my question. Why would you take well, yeah, that route with a losing right. strategy? If you set out a goal, then you, ought to, then you ought to be willing to compromise what's necessary to get that goal if that's your... If that's your goal. If to win the election is what you got to do, then yeah, plays those things. But I, frankly, that's not why I was in politics. I didn't do it to win the the election. I I had other purposes. One, to be on the stage, so that I could challenge the 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 other candidates from the platform, not just listening to them in the audience and being ineffectual. I was much more effective at challenging them in their ideas and getting the audience to question what they were doing because i could i could debate them on every point uh furthermore it was a rallying well for one thing it was extremely educational for me i had really really study and learn and and get uh knowledgeable about the issues in order to be able to be on the stage and be effective and then thirdly i found it it was a way of to be a rallying point there were other people around the world or in the platform or in the audience that it clicked, and then, then we got to be friends, and we connected. It was a, a great networking device. So there are other reasons other than to win the election. I never expected to win an election. Sure. Yeah, the, but, but then remember what, uh, I think it was Eugene Debs, the head of the, um, the Socialist Party around 1924. Uh, he was asked, you know, you're, you're always losing the elections. You're running for office, and you, you're always losing. How come you keep running? He says, what do you mean? I won the election. Uh, I didn't win the votes to win the office. But have you seen the platforms of the Democratic and Republican parties? They've both adopted all my platforms, all yeah. my planks. So I won. Um, my ideas were adopted by the other parties. Sure. And that's, that's another way of effectively winning. 
yeah, that I would say that's well played, right? But for for most libertarians, they don't they either don't get the stage, right, or they don't understand that you get the stage bigger and longer if you win, right? If you want more people to listen to you for a longer period of time, right? They're going to listen to the one who wins. Because that person gets to write the edicts, that person gets to have the press conference, that person makes all the news, makes all the rounds on the talk shows, right? There's, there are, there are uh, ancillary benefits to winning that you don't get just by participating. Well, the, we're in a world of media now that allows uh, celebrity status to a lot of people other than just politicians. Used to be politicians were pretty much the only game in town, but now celebrity status that carries this kind of influence over people is broad and multiplied into lots and lots of different uh, pathways, especially with the internet the way it is. Sure. So I'd say, um, I'd say you have um, influence that, you know, how many unknown politicians are there that are out there? I mean, they, they even may be elected to the state house, but they don't know what they're doing there. They don't really have any yeah. Any any purpose? There's no direction. You've got you've got a lot more uh, going for you with this uh, with this podcast than they do in their position of holding office and get paid for it. <laughs> I mean that that might be a stretch, but I'll I'll accept it, right? But in in that case, right? If that's if again if that's the goal, right? Then step one is become a celebrity, right? Yeah, become yeah. an influencer first. Yeah. You're right. And then start spouting this stuff off. Right. Yeah, that's, no, well, that's the problem with most libertarian candidates is that they're usually weirdo nobodies. Yes. And then, and then they try to win. And I always say, right. no, that's, that's stupid. What you know, libertarian party should do is find somebody who's already famous and say, Hey, wouldn't this be cool if yeah. you adopted our ideas and then won? <laughs> you know? Or, or pick one that's already there. Right. Woody Harrelson. You know, gets like no pushback because he's a well-liked celebrity, and he's you know self-described anarchist. Like, oh, how do your political leanings? Woody, and they're like, well, I'd like to think of myself as an anarchist because I just want to be left alone, you know. And I go, okay, right, message out there. But he's Clint, Clint Eastwood first. was one that that um, has used the libertarian word, not not Big L, but yeah. Well, I mean, even Bill Clinton once said he was a libertarian. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what the context was. But and thus diluting the message. Everybody sort of laughed. And that's a problem, too, in that when the crazies uh, uh, take on the libertarian word, it just sort of diminishes it for all the serious libertarians. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you don't have IP over the word, so what are you going to do? You have to be, You have to be bigger, louder, you know, better platformed than them so you can point to them and go like not one of us all right he is he's a fraud well, those guys like jordan peterson for example have been very very effective very effective at building uh, and around ron paul um very effective at building a whole base of, of like-minded people um with a lot of influence i think yeah books are campaigns well ron paul was a really remarkable exception and i'm i would like to think that Rand paul would have a chance at that sort of thing too but uh, no because he's a conservative republican conservative 
He, yeah, but he's not as bad as as the as a lot of the others. Not as bad, but he you know he is on record, and we've debated this in the past, right? He is yeah. on record as saying, "I'm not a libertarian. Stop associating me with those people." Yeah, my know, dad was a libertarian. Kind of, I am not. Yeah, yeah. You keep okay. putting this libertarian label on me, and I don't want it. I'm a Republican conservative from Kentucky. I'm not a libertarian doctor from Texas. Okay. Right? Okay. Like, He's, he's made that clear in multiple interviews, um, but you know I, I saw a clip of him on the uh, Colbert Report recently, and they were asking him about the word libertarian, right? Like, why? You know, he, he did a decent job of defining it for, you know, for that audience, but he, he's, he's stigmatized by the label because of his dad, even though he has rejected it at multiple times in interviews. I think it still worked for him, though. That's one reason why he's being a very effective and electable person, because yeah. he comes from a base of libertarian-ish conservatives that, that like what, um, what he has to offer. Yeah. And, then, and you know, some go too far, and they, they make it all the way to the alt-right. And what do you do with those? The, the hopping Okay, pipe? headlines. Headlines. All right, headlines. headlines. <laughs> Uh, headline, America's Atlas Shrugged moment has already arrived. New IRS data shows. Uh, headline, is there an optimum growth rate of money? Uh, headline, the disturbing truth about the home you think you own. Hmm. Headline, uh, U.S. city to roll out guaranteed basic income. Uh, headline, how the U.K.'s 2004 ban on fox hunting led to a catastrophic decline in the Fox population. Uh, headline, New York City may force rich people to pay higher parking fines than the poor. And finally, headline, City threatens Christian group with fines and prosecutions for giving the homeless muffins and coffee. <laughs> They're all good. They're all good. Yeah. Uh, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the first one about what the Atlas Shrugged moment with the the irs is and optimal amount of money i mean all of them are are quite uh, delectable all right well we'll we'll start at the beginning and work our way to the end of the show then let's see how far we get was there one that, that struck you in particular uh i like the one optimum amount of money all right um, well let's do that one first an, then another idea but i, could, I forgot what it was <laughs> well you both you both said optimum growth rate of money so let's talk about that one and then we'll see where it takes us uh, is there an optimum growth rate of money? It is widely held that a growing economy requires a growing money stock because economic growth increases demand for money. Many economists also believe that failing to accommodate the increase in the demand for money leads to a decline in consumer prices. This could destabilize the economy and produce an economic recession or even a depression. Some economists who follow Milton Friedman, also known as monetarists, want the central bank to target the money supply growth rate to a fixed percentage. They hold that if this percentage is maintained over a prolonged period, it will create economic stability. The idea that money must grow to support economic growth implies that money sustains economic activity. <laughs> However, money's main job is to be a medium of exchange, not sustain economic activity. Instead, economic sustenance is provided, by, is, prov is provided by saved consumer goods. As for money, many different goods have served as a medium of exchange, 
Ludwig von Mises wrote that over time there would be an inevitable tendency for the less marketable of the series of goods used as a medium of exchange to be one by one rejected until at last only a single commodity remained, which was universally employed as a medium of exchange, in a word, money. Over thousands of years, people have settled on gold as the preferred medium of exchange. Most economists, while accepting this historical evolution, doubt that gold can serve as money in a modern economy because of gold's limited supply. This, in turn, risks destabilizing the economy. Hence, most economists, even those who express support towards the idea of a free market, believe that government must control money supply. What do we mean by demand for money? Demand for money is the demand for money's purchasing power. After all, they don't want more money for its own sake. They want more purchasing power. In a free market... Go ahead. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Oh, in a free market, supply and demand determine the price of money. If there is less money, its exchange value will increase. If the exchange value will fall when there is more money, everything else being equal. Within a free market, there cannot be too little or too much money. If the market is allowed to clear, no shortage or surplus of money can emerge. Once the market has chosen a particular commodity as money, the stock of this commodity will always be sufficient to secure what money provides. Hence, in a free market, the whole idea of an optimum growth rate of money is absurd. According to Mises, (laughs) the services which money renders can neither improve nor repaired by changing the supply of money. The quantity of money available in the whole economy is always sufficient to secure for everybody all that money does and can do. Yet, even if we were to agree that the gold standard was better than the present monetary system, surely we must be practical and in tune with the current reality. In today's world, we have a central bank and are not on the gold standard. Given these facts, what should the correct money supply growth rate be? Uh, From commodity money to paper money. Originally, paper money was not regarded as money, but as a representation of gold. Paper certificates represented claims on the gold stored within the banks. The holders of the paper certificates could convert them into gold, but because individuals found it more convenient to use paper certificates, these certificates came to be regarded as money. Paper certificates accepted as a medium of exchange opened the way for fraud. Banks could now be tempted to boost their profits by lending certificates not covered by gold. In a free market economy, a bank that overissues paper certificates will quickly find that the exchange value of its certificates will decline. To protect their purchasing power, holders of overissued certificates would likely attempt to convert them back to gold. <laughs> In all of them were if all of them were to demand gold back at the same time, this would bankrupt the bank. In a free competitive market, the threat of bankruptcy would restrain banks from issuing paper certificates unbacked by gold. This means that in a free market economy, paper money cannot assume a life of its own and become independent of commodity money. The government, however, can bypass the free market discipline. It can decree the overissued banknotes need not be redeemed paper certificates into gold. Once banks are not obliged to redeem paper certificates into gold, opportunities for large profits create incentives to pursue an unrestrained expansion of the supply of paper certificates. 
this uncontrolled expansion of paper certificates increases the likelihood of setting off price increases that could break down the market economy. To prevent such a breakdown, the supply of paper money must be managed, which can be done by establishing a monopoly central bank that manages the supply of paper money. To assert its authority, the central bank introduces paper certificates, which replace the bank certificates. The central bank certificate purchasing power is established because paper certificates are exchanged for the central bank's money at a fixed rate. The central bank paper certificates are fully backed by bank certificates, which have the historical link to gold. The central bank's paper certificates, which are legal tender, also serve as reserve assets for banks. This enables the central bank to set a limit on the credit expansion by the banking system by setting regulatory ratios of reserves to demand deposits. It would then appear that the central bank could manage and stabilize the monetary system. But that is not true. The present paper monetary system emerged because central authorities made it legal for the overissued banks not to redeem paper certificates into gold. To manage the system, the central bank must constantly generate money out of nothing to prevent banks from bankrupting each other during the clearance of checks. This leads to persistent declines in the money's purchasing power, which destabilizes the entire monetary system. Even Milton Friedman's scheme to fix the money growth rate at any given percentage will not eliminate the problem. A fixed percentage growth is still money growth, which leads to the ex exchange of nothing for something, setting off boom-bust cycles. What about keeping the current stock of paper money unchanged? Would that not do the trick? An unchanged money stock will cause an almost immediate breakdown of the present monetary system. The present system survives because the central bank, by means of monetary injections, prevents the fractional reserve banks from going bankrupt. Central banks must always resort to large monetary injections during political and economic shock. How long the central bank can keep the present system going depends on the state of savings. If savings are growing, the central bank can keep the system alive. Once savings begins to stagnate or even shrink, no amount of monetary pumping can prevent the system from imploding. Conclusion. Because the present monetary system is fundamentally unstable, there cannot be a correct money supply growth rate. The present monetary system emerged because central authorities allow the practice of issuing banknotes not covered by gold. To sustain such a system, the central bank was introduced. By means of ongoing monetary management, the central bank's job is to prevent banks from bankrupting each other during the clearance of checks, and whether the central bank injects money in accordance with economic activity or fixes the money supply growth rate, it continuously destabilizes the system. End of article. Uh, your guys' thoughts. Was it the Mises Institute? It was. Yeah, good. Frank Showstock, um, if you recognize that name. I, I agree with everything, but the one thing they didn't veer into is the possibility of having multiple currencies. And I think uh, uh, an economic model based on, on freedom is more important than one based on gold. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a, an excellent thing that they left out. Yeah, is is, is critical because all too often the uh, the hard money people say gold, but that shouldn't be a gold. There shouldn't be a gold standard. And actually, one thing that he pointed out too is that 
a lot of times people say, oh, well, you know, if you have deflation or you have a st steady stream of money you know, or a stable amount of money, you're going to have a, it's going to be a restraint on growth. Well, the, the proof is that the largest amount of economic growth occurred when we had the gold standard. You know, when we got off the gold standard, the growth rate declined. I mean, right now, they, they're thinking it's be excellent if we could get 2% growth rate in a decade. You know, and so that's I, abysmal compared to the historic standard under the gold standard. I want to reread one paragraph because I think they touched, they touched on your concern, MC, um, and Cass, and it may have just blown over because how short it was. Mm -hmm. uh, as for money, many different goods have served as a medium in exchange. Ludwig von Mises wrote that over time, there would be an inevitable tendency for the less marketable of the series of goods used as a medium of exchange to be one by one rejected until the last only a single commodity remained, which was universally employed as a medium of exchange in a word money. So yes, you may have competing currencies, right? But over a long enough time frame that will reduce down to the one that people use the most. Yeah, and the, and, the, and the reason they use it the most is because it would be the base, the most stable uh, form of value. And, um, you know, if they you know, found a way of, of mining or uh, lots and lots of gold or extracting it from old um, pilings and so on, um, you know, maybe then Bitcoin would replace gold as the preferred standard. Right. But another thing I like to point out during this sort of discussion is we expect the standard of measure for uh, an acre to be always an acre and for a gallon to be always a gallon and for uh, a, a basket, a bushel, uh, to always be a, the size of a bushel and we a mile, a mile, a foot, a yard. We expect these standards to be uh, constant so that we can calculate investment and, and future um, uh, earnings and savings and all the things that go into contracts. Imagine if we were always saying, well, an acre is a little bit smaller this year than it was last year by 8%, and that a yard is really only 8% less than a yard, and that a gallon is only 8% less than the gallon size of the gallon last year. I mean, if, if all of these other measures lost um, value in the same way that we see the dollar losing value, no calculation could possibly be made about anything. You, it would to totally break down the economy. Well, that's what's happening with the measure of value in money. If they say this is legal tender, you have to use it, and it's uh, losing its um, its value by 8%, oh, that's, it, it's shattering to the... Uh, to every contract investor and and saver in the in, in this economy and the world economy, right? So, which is which again is why I've always said, you know, convert it to something of higher value. Now, I am a I don't want to say like a, a devotee or a, you know a firm believer in Gresham's law. Um, Gresham's law says that you know uh, bad money will eventually push out good money. Only if both are legal tender. Right. If you're required to accept both of them in, in the same fixed manner, then bad money dries out good. Right. But 
if you're not required to, it's the opposite of Gresham's law. Good money will always drive out good. Maybe. A good money will always drive out bad. It it maybe right because even in the crypto sphere, right? I I now have I I am what most people would consider to be a Bitcoin maximalist. I get the arguments for alternative currencies. Um, I know I I believe uh, that Monero has a place for the people who like Monero, um, but I am you know my, my goal. My goal is to acquire as much Bitcoin as I can, um, and then if I need to use the other things, you know, convert as necessary. That's a, a good good topic. Uh, there is some Bitcoin news actually that that recently happened, um, and I I I uh, dumped on on Bitcoin a little bit on on the Monero Reddit. Um, so what happened is there's these uh, NFT bros that decided well. We want our NFTs to be permanent, and what better place to put them than on the Bitcoin blockchain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're taking up space that's on the Bitcoin blockchain, and it's driving up the cost of Bitcoin transfers. And so it kind of ruins Bitcoin's use case for myself. So basically, I have to switch off of Bitcoin to use something else. So it's not op- optimal for Bitcoin as money. Um, it doesn't mean that. Bitcoin network is going to necessarily lose, um, but it will it will lose as as money. And to me, that's that's the important part. So, right at the moment, uh, Monero looks better as money, especially if you're talking about digital cash because the fung- fungibility issue. Uh, but just as a usability issue, Bitcoin isn't really even usable if if the fees are twenty thirty dollars per transaction. Um, it's that's not acceptable to me so um so here's here's what the point that i was driving at and then i'll let you continue making yours right sure. when when i want to spend crypto right i don't want to spend my bitcoin right i will i will spend the bitcoin cash i will spend the dash i will spend monero if you know if that's what the other person requires right but i don't I don't like spending my Bitcoin, and when I have to spend my Bitcoin, uh, I try to quickly replenish that lost stock, right? So even within the crypto sphere, right, I don't want to spend the most valuable stuff. I want to hold that unless, you know, the, the supplier requires it. But I will, I will spend, uh, like I said, you know, Dash or Bitcoin Cash, um, thinking that in the future that will be worth less than the you know the equivalence of bitcoin today right the the, the present value or the the you know, net yeah. future value is lower on well, those I hope things you're right. than they are for bitcoin <laughs> what i hope you're right yeah me too right that's um but uh there, there's a possibility that somebody might say well this other blockchain is better because they don't have people storing nfts on it Sure, and and but Bitcoin has been forked in the past. That's why you have Bitcoin Cash. That's why mm-hmm. you have Bitcoin SV, right? And the you know the the main chain, right? The 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 one that they call Bitcoin, right? Still strudges on, right? Through through all this you know turmoil and strife, um, and hopefully will continue to do so. And if not, right, I'll I'll take a hit as I try to convert out of it, right? Okay. Um, but for now, right? That's that's my play, right? I, I will spend all I will spend all the altcoins I have, 
right? Before before I dip into Bitcoin for anything other than like a you know a necessary or large value transaction. And so you know if if Monero, and, and if Monero spends better, right? Fine, right? I'll, I will spend all the Monero I can, right? And if you're saying that Monero is a better store of value, right? Then then Bitcoin. Then why would you use that day to day? That's what you should be hoarding, right? That's what you should be maximizing, not spending. And the same thing, the same thing would happen from your perspective, right? If you played that, if you played that strategy of maximizing Monero, and you would spend all the other altcoins, right? And and Monero would be the one that you hung on to unless you you know unless your hand were forced. And so the day to day trading, right, in in the marketplace pushes the good money out, right? No one wants to trade in Monero. No one wants to trade in Bitcoin because everyone's using the worthless crypto that does, that you can't, you know, you don't know what the value is going to be day to day because it fluctuates so much more. So I think, I think that law, I think Gresham's law is somewhat applicable toward the crypto space. Right? A, a new crypto launches and, you know, the, the initial coin offering comes out and it pumps up right and you know people people buy in early on and they 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 pump and then they dump it right they they have to get rid of it as soon as they can because they know it's not going to hold its value long term i mean i've heard oh. go ahead ks all the um bad money dries out good uh, you um only if somebody wants to hold it and you know, and then generally people don't want to accept a currency that has a that's losing value or the prospect of losing value uh, for transactions. Maybe they they think they can hold it, but if they, I mean, I think these are very very yeah, they they can occur in very short term circumstances where somebody thinks this is going to go up in value later. They think it's going to be good money, but right. when they realize that all the tendency is against it, um, they're going to go back to whatever is the most stable and and holding its value and and part of the part of the problem right now is that even if you spend crypto right everything is still priced in dollars yeah that's right right so it's you can't get it's hard to get a true valuation of what the crypto is worth as far as what what commodities you can get for it because you know if you buy like you know buy a new hat and the hat's 20 bucks Right, you're either going to spend twenty dollars in Federal Reserve notes, or twenty dollars in Monero, or twenty dollars in Bitcoin, right? And then on the well, fl- you're not you're not going to spend twenty dollars in, in Bitcoin because you're going to pay twenty dollars in Bitcoin plus a thirty dollar Bitcoin fee. Okay, so it's not, well then make it a bigger transaction. You're going to buy a five thousand dollars suit, right? You're going to spend well, five thousand so dollars in Federal the way Reserve to do notes, it, or five thousand dollars in Monero, or five thousand and thirty dollars in Bitcoin. The way to do it would be to just take out. Five thousand dollars at once, so you don't pay the the fee over and over and over. Sure, but the, um, my my point remains the same, though. It's to me the larger the transaction, the 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 more negligible the fee. Yeah, right? just like if you were to go to the ATM and there's a three dollar fee, you don't take out twenty, you take out a hundred, and you, you know, yeah, so you don't so you don't pay three dollars five times, right. And and so I you know so so for Bitcoin transactions I do large Bitcoin transactions, and then for day to day stuff if the the opportunity arises I I spend my lesser cryptos, right? 
And if I had that kind of value in lesser cryptos, I would spend them for the big transactions too, right? Because it's it's that transaction fee that that pushes people into using the other cryptos. And it drives out Bitcoin for day-to-day transactions. And I'm and I'm okay paying the fee, right? Because tomorrow my my $20 in Federal Reserve notes is going to be worth less than it was today. And my $20 in Dash would be who knows. My $20 in Monero will be who knows, right? But my $20 in Bitcoin, right? Like, you know, or 5000 for your example, so the, the fees are negligible, right? My 5000 is going to be uh, pretty darn close to what it was, right? It's not, it's not, it hasn't gone through the same um, gigantic fluctuations that you, that you would anticipate from the other uh altcoins or shit coins or whatever not monero but you know you know what i mean right mm-hmm. the, the pump and dump right you you got to pump it and you got to dump it straight away because the value is going to be nothing tomorrow and bitcoin you know uh, uh is on an upward trajectory in the long run right if, even if it's not currently at its all-time high and there were you know people complained years ago right oh if you're running the blockchain you can put whatever you want on the blockchain and someone decides to put child porn on the blockchain, does that mean everybody who's running like a full node has child porn on their computer? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's good a question. What, it what is a good is question. To that? I don't know. Pro- probably. <laughs> if okay. those EFTs are pictures of NFTs, child yeah. porn. Yeah, NFTs, yeah. But if oh, that's gee, the case, that's right, then all the FBI has to do is upload the fucking CSAM file to the blockchain, Right, and it's done. Then any anybody running any sort of Bitcoin node is in possession of child porn and everyone goes to jail. Right? You want to kill Bitcoin or any crypto, right? That's gonna that's going to well, be the way to do it. And what are you gonna okay, do? Okay, okay, then get out of Bitcoin. <laughs> you don't you can don't think do that's that possible with, with any other crypto? Can they do that with Monero? Well, not not with Monero because they don't they don't let uh Attachments. In, information that's not related to the transaction to be on, on the blockchain. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, that was by design. Um, Why did they put that into the Bitcoin? Uh, because to give it more uh, use cases. Oh. In that, and somebody decided, well, NFT is a, just as valid as anything else. Um, you might want to, let's say you're making a transaction, you might want to put the invoice actually on the blockchain, you know, who is this from and who is it for their actual names or whatever. And so there's a permanent record of whatever, you know, um, or a whole picture, you know, like here's the receipt and there's a picture of it, you know, <laughs> at a thousand dollar. Yeah. It, it, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it could be somebody making a million dollar transaction and they, and they want to, you know, broadcast how, how awesome they are uh, by putting an NFT of a picture of their receipt on, on the blockchain, whatever. Um, yeah, the idiot Gary Vaynerchuk was like suggesting people do that when NFTs were hot, and he was pumping and dumping his little NFT scam. Yeah, right? he's like, yeah. oh but no, they're, but they're actually doing that now on yeah. on Bitcoin. No, I get it. So. But you know, someone was asking him, you know, for advice on starting a business. He's like, oh, what you got to do is you get an artist to design your receipts, and then you make every receipt an NFT, and then you sell the NFT, and then that's the way to make money for whatever business you're doing. It's like I don't want to be in the NFT, Gary. I just I just want to be in business. Like any advice on that? He's like, yeah, I just told you what you got to do is you know, make, have us pay an artist to make your receipts, NFTs, and that's your business. Right. And so even, even early on, NFTs was like a big, you know, pump and dump thing. 
Um, yeah. I had, you know, I had a conversation with the, the captain about it, probably off air, I think. Because, like, oh, no, NFTs are great. It's like a certificate of authenticity. You know, it's like, you know, if I buy, like, you know, Spider-Man 1, right, and I have the magazine and I have this NFT token that shows that, you know, I'm, I have Spider-Man 1, the magazine, and that's, that's my certificate of authenticity. And I was like, yeah, except you don't have the magazine, right? <laughs> Spider, Spider-Man 1 NFT token means you own Spider-Man 1, but whoever had it before you still has the magazine. Right, you you have the paper ownership because you got the little token, but you don't actually have the magazine, right? And so everyone who you know, oh look at this, uh, was the the board apes, right? Oh look at this, I got the I bought the board ape NFT, right? Yeah, dude, and you know, shortly thereafter uh, was an NFT bay popped up, right? Where you could fucking download all the pictures you want of all the NFTs that everybody else had, so anybody can have the picture, right? But you've got the certificate. <laughs> Like, whoop did he do? So whatever, whatever's going on with NFT and the Bitcoin blockchain will likely be short-lived. Yeah, right? I, I do think that. Um, but I, 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 the only frustration I have is that I, I think the, the Bitcoin devs should focus on making it the best form of money possible. And the difference between... Bitcoin and Monero is significant in that one of one is an open blockchain and one of them is a private blockchain or, or uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, and I think, I think both have their place, right? Sure. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I just wish they would focus on uh, streamlining the product, which should be uh, digital peer to peer money um, and not a, storage database you know it's yeah. like it's 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 not what it's for so like do something about it that's all right. that's all i'm saying and, and again uh, i'm not i'm not poo-pooing monero but the 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 use the, not the use case but the the analogy remains the same right if if you're if you think monero is the best right the strategy to be should be to acquire as much monero as you can and to spend off everything else as you need to right like you'll 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 spend Dash, you'll spend Bitcoin if you can, you'll spend Bitcoin Cash, you'll spend Federal Reserve notes, I, right? I but won't, you won't spend Monero. I won't spend Bitcoin because I already got rid of it. Okay. And this this latest issue with Bitcoin has caused me to just not even use it at all, not even think about it. Okay. I will find I will find an alternative to Bitcoin because I don't got like it. where it's going. Understood. I do, and and irrelevant to what I'm saying. Right. That's well. You said spend it. It's like no. It's already gone. Yeah, it's I'm already, already done well, with it. <laughs> not you personally, but anyone who has anyone who anybody, has a, a a Monero maximalist strategy, right? Any any anybody who has Bitcoin should not be a Bitcoin maximalist anymore. They should get rid of it, and because it's not like okay. I don't know. That's, that, that's, that's a, my opinion. But that's advice, <laughs> and you can take the advice, but still not the point I'm making. I don't care what it is. Right. If you're a Bitcoin cash maximalist, right, you spend Bitcoin, you spend Monero, you spend Dash, you, you maintain your Bitcoin cash. Right. And at some point, right, a long enough, on a long enough timeline, one of those is going to win out. Right. The, 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 the producers of goods and services are going to figure out which one they like the best, which one stores the value the best. And mm-hmm. then that's going to be the one. Right, that that becomes the de facto money in the crypto sphere, and again, I don't care which one it is. It's not germane to the conversation. It's a personal choice, but one will win. 
right? Because people will spend what they don't like, keep what they do like, right? And one of the one, you know, and something will become the de facto money. That's all I'm saying. I'm not giving it, I'm not saying you should be a Bitcoin maximalist. I'm just saying whatever, whatever your goal is, right? Act according to that strategy, right? Monero, I don't care if you're a Dash maximalist, right? Spend what you have, keep as much Dash as you can, right? And eventually the market, the, the market will decide. But in the meantime, right, as, as a, as a, as a, as a uh, Monero maximalist for you, right, the bad money drives out the good because all the other transactions that happen with the lesser tokens, right, is what the day-to-day transactions look like because everyone's hanging on to the, val- the one they value the most, right? That's why, that's why federal dollars push out gold, right? No one trades with gold or silver because you'd rather get rid of your paper fiat. You keep the gold, you keep the bars, you keep the silver, right? You convert the paper to silver or gold as often as you can if you're a metal maximalist, right? Yeah. And and spend I've, the paper. I've, ma- I've made that uh, claim also about... Uh, well, that's Gresham's you, law. You, that's the bad money well, pushing out the good. And I'm, and I'm suggesting that it can, it can take place in the cryptosphere. Um, but if, if somebody wanted to trade with me right now, I would say, well, I'm not, I'm not trading in Bitcoin, so you'll have to take a Monero if, if we want to trade. Right. And it, it, and, and I'm okay with, with, you know, saving my Monero or, or, or not. Um, it's, it's not such a big deal. Um, for the most part, I, you know, people need to trade once in a while. And so... If I can use cash, I'll use cash. Of course. But but there's a lot of times where the the person is, you know, maybe not anywhere near me. And the easiest way to give them money is to send them a crypto transaction. Understood. So, and I will say, no, I'm not using Bitcoin. So then you have potentially another Monero user instead of, you know, and maybe, maybe potentially a, a Monero saver. Um, you know, every time that kind of transaction happens, maybe, or he turns around and sells that off, you know, for some other crypto, right. That he believes in more. It's like, okay, I will trade with you in Monero. Cause I know I can convert that to something else. Right. Yeah, I'm not okay. a believer in Monero, but I will do this trade cause I want your chickens. Right. Yeah. And, and then I'll and, trade and my Monero if, for something. If else. he's, if he's a Bitcoin maximalist, he'll, he'll trade my Monero on Bitcoin. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Who cares? Like all, all of that is fine, right? I'm not arguing against that, but one of one of those, right? Just just like, you know, just like people settled on gold until the dollar pushed it out, right? One of those will settle in the future as the day to day transaction money, right? And quite possibly, uh, one of those will be the store of value money, right? For its stability in, in the marketplace. Yeah, and that that leads me back to saying, well, in the the future is multiple multiple currencies, not not one. Sure, but 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 people don't consider gold a currency. Gold right now is a store of value. Well, it's still money though. Yeah, for some a, people. Yeah. Right. But when when was the last time when was the last time you bought a good or service and paid in gold? Touching. Um. Well, probably never. Okay, I've I've only I've only traded gold for 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 dollars. Right. So it's it's you're correct. It's historically money, 
right? But it's it's not money. It's not the use case in the current in the, under current conditions. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a, but I I'd say when I say multiple forms of of currency or money, um, uh, Bitcoin and Monero are better suited for that that role because we have a thing called the internet now. Yeah, that makes the transactions easy. Sure, and again, depend depending on how the chips fall. Right, one could be used for a more day-to-day transaction, and one could be used as more of a store of value. And I don't care which, right? Because it doesn't matter for for this, right? Whichever one you believe in, start acting accordingly. Yeah, right? I, I still think it's the the one that should win would be the one that's both day-to-day transactions and storage storage, and that that simplifies things. Maybe because if it's a store of value, you won't want to spend it day-to-day. That's that's the catch. You won't you won't want to, but you'll know other people are using it. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying you'll be forced to, on occasion. But the the goal would be to spend the tokens of lesser value with whomever will take them first. Final we, thoughts. Oh, go ahead, Cass. Yeah. No, I was I was going to say this is a good time to wrap up. I have some other things I need to All get right. to. Final thoughts. No, thanks. Yep. Thank you. All right. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash the anarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon, where we take Federal Reserve notes in the form of digital transactions. Uh, Patreon.com slash the anarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha. Hey, thanks, Rich. This was good.